Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes, and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Today, I'm in Leeds. The tour of Britain continues uh, as part of my stand-up tour. I was at the Leeds City Varieties last night. Uh, this weekend, it's on to Shrewsbury and then Salford. Uh, and then next week, three nights in London. Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in London. Then uh, Cambridge, and then it all finishes up in Bristol. If you want to come along, you can get tickets at mattshawley.com. Anyway, we're in Leeds the morning after the, the spring statement. Before, we will unpack what the spring statement really means and find out, uh, particularly from Citizens Advice here in Yorkshire, exactly how tough some people are finding. That's coming up in our big thing. Before that, though, we bring you the columnist panel. And as we were up here in Yorkshire, we thought we'd bring together a couple of Yorkshire journalists. So we've got Rob Parsons from the Northern Agenda and Victoria Fine from the Yorkshire Post. I suppose we should start with the statement uh, yesterday, Rishi Sunak's statement. What's your northern take on it, Rob? Well, I think everyone seems to agree it's landed badly with pretty much everyone, those of whom have actually engaged with it. I know you went out in Leeds and didn't really get many people who were particularly interested. But, I mean, it seems Rishi Sunak's getting criticised for not doing enough to help people now. He's putting off, you know, the income tax uh, reduction until... 2024 and that's obviously a big issue but the thing that i was particularly interested in with my northern agenda hat on is was the absence of any mentions of leveling up i mean i think it was mentioned five times in the actual statement and hardly at all in rishi sunak's speech which i felt was quite interesting given it's supposedly the government's flagship domestic policy and uh, I mean lots of people have noticed this as well and it's not just the people you know the obvious people like you Andy Burnham's in Greater Manchester and Tracy Brabin the mayor in West Yorkshire complaining about it like I saw something in my inbox from uh, Ernst and Young the accountancy firm saying that it was a, a missed opportunity to uh, you know put some weight behind the leveling up agenda and it's interesting because obviously a few weeks ago we had Michael Gove spelt out what does levelling up mean? He set out the white paper with all his various aspirations. But um, the big question was, how much money actually is there behind it? 
Vichy Sunak was nowhere to be seen uh, in terms of the levelling up announcements. And so I think there's a suspicion that the government has these uh, aspirations to tackle regional inequality, which is one of the big issues holding this country back. But uh, where's the money actually going to come from? And now it appears you know, there's so many other things that the government needs to spend money on. Money's going to be very tight. Are they actually fully committed to this huge you know, long-term project of you know, bridging the north-south divide. It's uh, unclear whether they are. It's one of those weird things, because the original intention of the spring state was to be quite a low-key sort of economic update, and so not to expect lots of levelling up funding. But then, clearly, it got a bigger and bigger thing. He spent quite a lot of money. Uh, tax rises here, tax cuts there. So, actually, it, it's suddenly it, it's an active choice not to go further on the levelling up agenda in the, in the statement. Yes, I think so. And also, there was quite a lot of levelling up in... Uh, the autumn statement uh, last uh, last November, and I think we're expecting to hear more from it, uh, more about levelling up uh, in you know this coming this coming autumn. But I think it it does suggest that there's a bit of a uh, that Rishi Sunak is perhaps not willing to you know, spend the big bucks that Boris Johnson and Michael Gove would like him to spend on some of these projects, which are you know if you look at compare the amount that the government is already spending on levelling up, like a £4.8 billion fund, is kind of peanuts really compared to what other countries are spending on tackling these big inequalities. And, uh, yeah, I think we're still waiting to hear whether that amount of money is going to be forthcoming in this country. Victoria, you're the uh, social affairs correspondent at the, uh, at the Yorkshire Post. So let's talk about sort of the real, there's the sort of the big numbers and all of that. But what we're talking about is real people are about to have a really tough time uh, over the next few months yeah completely i mean we hear again and again about people struggling to make the decision between heating their houses or feeding themselves and their family uh, just yesterday the trussell trust um, which runs uh, the network of food banks around the region said that they are seeing food banks reject things like boiled potatoes because people don't want to spend the energy putting them in a pan of boiling water this is a really really dire situation for lots of people so i think a lot of people were very disappointed yesterday to not see more kind of immediate urgent action taken by the chancellor to help improve that kind of crisis that we see going on uh, there's things like you know the 5p cut in fuel duty which um has been welcomed pretty robustly across the board but things like for example the um raising of the national insurance payment threshold for a lot of low-income families that doesn't really have much of an impact anyway um and of course you know there was very little in there around immediate help for the people most struggling in terms of for example a race to things like universal credit payments which we saw during the pandemic we've had the joseph roundtree foundation which um, is based up in here up here in york yeah. do some analysis straight after um, the statement which showed that it could potentially push a further six hundred thousand people into poverty so, yeah, pretty worrying across the board, I think, was the reaction. A bit of disappointment there as well. And uh, clearly, people are struggling right across the country. But given that there's been so much attention on levelling up, yeah. you know, some of the people who are going to be hardest hit by this are precisely in those places that were promised that they would be levelled up. Yeah. Um, and so there's a sort of, there's a sort of knock-on impact uh, there as well. What, what impact do you think is this having politically, Rob? You've covered you were the political editor of the Yorkshire Post before you launched Northern Agenda. How does this how does this play out? If at a time when when actually people thought they were getting extra help, and actually you know that that agenda seems to be disappearing for whatever reason, whether it's a, a row between the chancellor and the, the prime minister, or it's just 
economic reality that, that you know there's only so much money or whatever yeah I mean I guess looking ahead to the 2024 election is obviously you know that's what everything is geared up towards and Rishi Sunak's income tax uh, cut will come into play before that election there seems to be the widespread perception that uh, you know a lot of yesterday was about positioning the government and the conservatives for a couple of years down the road rather than what's going on at the moment but I mean I think it's I can't see a situation where the cost of living and you know the money you have in your pocket and not being able to pay for pay for heating and eating that 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 is still going to be the issue on the doorstep I think in the 2024 election and the fact of the matter is sadly the north of England which is where the conservatives did say well in 2019 more people than on average in the country are going to have these issues because you know there are more more deprived communities up here, and I guess when we come to the general election in 2024, uh, the Conservatives aren't going to have this very fortunate sort of uh, combination of circumstances they had in 2019, where they had an un- unpopular Labour leader, they had Brexit, which are two factors that, that work massively in their favour. Neither of those things they're going to have in their back pocket come 2024, but they are going to have this cost of living crisis, which they're going to you know, be held responsible for sorting out so I think it's I, I can imagine a lot of conservative strategists being very worried about their ability to keep hold of the red wall in, in two years time and I was with the, one of the other big political stories being played out is the uh, situation in Ukraine uh, and Victoria you've been looking at the, uh, the the attempt you know Yorkshire wanted to open up and uh, support Ukrainians coming here but there's confusion about that as well yeah I mean we've seen this incredible response to the Homes for Ukraine scheme since it was launched, I think, about a fortnight ago. Something like 150,000 people have signed up um, from over here. What we don't know is how many Ukrainian refugees, either who are still in Ukraine or who have moved out of the country onto the border or into other countries in Europe, have applied. The government aren't giving those numbers. There is some speculation that that's because the forms to fill in on the refugee side are incredibly complicated, very difficult to do on a mobile phone when you're living in really rough conditions on some of these borders. The other issue we have is that at the moment there's still no formal matching service. So if you've signed yourself up to say, I've got a lovely spare room, come and stay with us for as long as you need to, you have to, at the moment, source a refugee for yourself there's been a couple of tentative efforts made so in york where i live the city of sanctuary and the council are joining together to start a matching service we're two weeks in though and there's nothing formal what's happening unfortunately is people are turning to unregulated facebook groups to find people which you know could throw up a whole number of problems on both sides Uh, we've seen you know the the charities who are you know, hoping to lead on some of these refugee efforts, coming out and saying, you know, please hold fire, don't source people yourself. But obviously people are frustrated. They want to help. They've opened up the spare rooms. They're ready to host somebody. And there seems to be a stalling. And I suppose there's a risk that that, that sort of initial wave of enthusiasm Could drop. wanes and people go off. And actually, you know, because there's, there's been this uh, conversation, I suppose, with the refugees minister, Richard Harrington, last week, and about the fact that, you know, it's great that people have signed up to house Ukrainians, yeah. but, you know, there are other people who are, you know, there are lots of Afghans who are currently in temporary accommodation. Mm-hmm. There's a big homelessness problem, which, you know, in big cities right across the country, um, that uh, maybe maybe this sort of scheme properly implemented and regulated and, and run properly could, could help to alleviate a lot of that. And it, like I said, in this case, it's not even addressing the, the, the thing it was set up for. No, and I mean, that's been something that I think has caused a lot of consternation among experts is that 
you know, we do have a lot of Afghanistan refugees here in Yorkshire who are still living in hotels. I spoke to the Refugee Council a couple of weeks ago about this. They said those hotels are still potentially going to be in use this winter. And I think it is a very fair thing to say, which is if we're open, if, you know, the government are going to facilitate people opening their homes to Ukrainian refugees, does that mean we're going to see a shift in how we look at people coming in from other countries? Um, but as you say, that enthusiasm doesn't take very long. Yeah, and it dissipates. Yeah. People think, oh, I don't trust it. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Yeah. Well, it, it was all sort of said that runs through all this, because talking about trying to get into the country, Rob, there's a big problem in airports. There is. And, well, it, it all comes back to the fact that uh, now that the restrictions on our movements uh, in and out of the country have been lifted, you don't have to you know, preview vaccination status when you're leaving the country or coming in anymore. That has prompted uh, a, a big surge in international travel, people who have been you know, taking their holidays domestically, as I have been in the, in the last couple of years, are now looking to go abroad for get a bit of uh, you know, spring sunshine or whatever. But this big surge in international travel, uh, airports aren't, just aren't ready to take the huge numbers of people who are coming in. And that's playing out in Manchester, which is by far the North's biggest airport. And they've had this huge surge in people wanting to go through. I think it was uh, 60,000 people every day uh, passenger numbers have doubled uh, in the last few weeks, wow. and they, which is a huge number of people, and basically they don't, they haven't got the staff to deal with all the different things that you need to deal with at airport baggage and security and that kind of thing. And, and so, is that because people were furloughed or laid off yes, earlier on? They've precisely. gone off and found other jobs now. Yeah, I think that that is a large part of it. I mean, the aviation sector for the last couple of years has been on it on its knees yeah. for completely obvious reasons, and I think the airlines and the airports they have uh, cut back on their ma- numbers of staff massively and then it's not just so simple to just get them all back again yeah the labor market is very tight at the moment like there's you know it, it's hard to get the people to do these uh, quite skilled jobs i saw i think that manchester airport is trying to uh, engage with like university students to get them to do some of this work but what it means in the short term at least for the next few weeks is that there's going to be uh, long queues uh, for people trying to get abroad. I mean, for someone like me who has two young kids, maybe considering uh, going abroad for a holiday, the thought of standing in a, a long queue with my <laughs> two-year-old and my five-year-old is quite off-putting, to be honest. So I think I'll probably stick to uh, Northumberland for my holidays for the next uh, next year or two. And you can read our columnists in The Times and The Sunday Times every week. Enjoy brighter insights on politics, business and more. For just £1, you can enjoy three months of everything a subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times has to offer. Subscribe now at thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. 
So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Red Box Podcast now. It's time for this. I'm joined now by James Lewis, the lead with Leeds City Council. Morning, James. Morning, Matt. Uh, thanks for coming down to see us. We've also got Kayleigh Hignall from uh, the Citizens Advice here in Leeds as well. Hi. Morning, Kayleigh. Nice to see you. So um, let's start with you, Kayleigh, first of all, because when we talk about 1.3 million people in absolute poverty, that's a sort of a big figure and a bit of jargon. What does this mean in reality for the people who end up coming to Citizens Advice? Yeah, I mean, already, uh, particularly following the pandemic, but we had already energy increases uh, for those bills in October. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of people who are just basically struggling to even put the electricity, put the gas on. We're seeing people who have to turn their fridges off. We're seeing people who can't afford to do their washing at home. They actually have to take it to a relative's home to, to do that people in dire situations and more and more we're seeing there's less we can do to help them people should always get advice so that we can see if there is anything but we're seeing more and more people who are simply just in the red from paying those essential bills and having to juggle them constantly and are these people who have been in trouble for a long time i mean is it is it sort of how far up the scale i suppose is this going of people who uh, you know, there, there are people who struggle to make ends meet and rely on the benefit system and it's never quite enough. But is this, is this sort of catching more and more people who maybe a year or two ago would have thought that they were getting by OK? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's worth thinking as well for, for people, for example, who can't work. They've got a disability, a health problem. They've got caring responsibilities. They've seen quite big hits to their income for several years, if not longer, um, and have had faced those higher costs. So for them, they were already struggling. Then we've had these massive in- increases that all of us are struggling to cover. For them, it's much, much harder. What we're also seeing now is people, uh, more and more people who are in work, for example. We must remember that for uh, benefits, a lot of that that goes to people that, who are in work. It goes to people who have got additional costs like childcare, for example. We're seeing people who can't afford the increases in their childcare costs. We're seeing people who can't afford the increases in other essential bills. And I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? If get, basically, if gas and electric is going up, that affects everything. So childminders or nurseries, their bills go up and then they pass them on and it's you know you get hit with it twice. And is your point that... that in normal times, if you like, someone might come to citizen advice and you'll say, well, did you know there's this this benefit that you could apply for? Or have you thought about doing this? And probably they've already done all that. 
and there's not a huge amount you can do. That's it. When people come to us because they're struggling to pay their bills, we go line by line through their budget. We look at every single efficiency you could make, different deals on your energy, different benefits that you claim. What we're finding is more and more people who there isn't an option. We're already cutting back on things like contents insurance. We're already cutting back on other costs that you might just see in a normal budget. And we're right in now to food, energy, rent. Um, and it's worth knowing we're having to uh, see more and more people help more and more people with just absolute crisis support. So just in this year so far, the three months of we've had of 2022, we've already seen a 34% increase in the amount of people who need help with crisis support. So food banks, fuel vouchers, charity grants. We're already seeing a similar increase in the amount of people who have problems with their fuel debts. And as I say, that's before uh, you see any changes to tax it's before you see another hike on energy bills uh, coming. Um, so, yeah, we're extremely worried and, and, to be frank, pretty disappointed to not see enough help there or, or next to nothing help for, for those people on, on low incomes. And just before we bring in James, where does this go? What does this mean? Does this, I mean, where are we facing potentially a massive increase in the percentage of people who are homeless? I mean, what's the ultimate, there's only so much you can sort of, come up against you know we're talking about people who don't even want potatoes because they can't afford to put the gas on to, to cook them what what what's the what's the next step yeah well people will end up in a situation where they just can't cover those bills if you can't cover your your rent you're looking at eviction if you can't cover your gas electricity you get moved on to prepayment meters and what Which we're are seeing even worse yeah what yeah. we're seeing they're more expensive and what we're seeing there is self-disconnection so thousands of people just can't put money onto those prepayments can't have any energy or or, or gas and it's worth knowing that in our research we we already think come april we'll see a further five million people who can't afford their energy costs. It's going to get so much worse in October, where we think one in four of the population, 14.5 million people, are not going to be able to afford their energy bills. So let's bring in James. Uh, James Lewis, leader of Leeds City Council. What can, the ca- what can councils like yours do, or are you already at the limit of, of offering the support that, that people, you know, people in their times of crisis, whether well, to turn to citizens' advice, will turn to their local council? It's really getting really hard for us. We've had to trim back our services because we've had 12 years of um, austerity cuts, and but we're still really under pressure now. I was talking to some of our brilliant social workers um, just after Christmas who look after children and families, and they're seeing the pressure on their work of families that have been hit by the uh, previous universal credit cuts. Um, it's making family life so much harder. It's making their workload so much bigger, and it's putting that pressure on. We're seeing um, in... Uh, housing as well. The pressure on housing in Leeds at the moment is huge. Um, we, we've we got a council house building programme like many councils have, but it's just not catching up with the demand as rents in the uh, private rented sector are shooting through the roof along with everybody everybody else's costs going up. So what's your fear about what happens, where the, the, the position you and your city will be in by the end of the year? Our fear is that um, the problems with poverty and inequality become more deep set as people, um, even people going out to work are struggling to make ends meet. That puts pressure on uh, family life. It affects um, children growing up. Uh, There's a real personal cost to this as well. It also means that public services find themselves under more and more, under more and more pressure. And we need to break that cycle. We need to get money into people's pockets, give people better um, give people a better quality of life take away the pressures of the cost of living crisis uh, and then we can get on with doing the things we need to do 
what can we do as a council? There's many things we can do. We can work um, with our employment and skills service to try and get people into work and where people are in work into better paid work. There's a huge pressure and demand for employment at the moment, so I'm yeah. optimistic between the work we can do. And we've got some employers in Leeds who are really innovative about trying to bring in people who, um, uh, who are outside the labour market. Uh, we've got a logistics company uh, that literally goes into prisons to recruit people as, as, as they're about to be released to get people into... Um, um, get people into work. That's grateful individuals who come straight out into a job and they're obviously getting people they need in an area with a lot of uh, shortages. So the things we can do, we've got a programme to try and insulate some of the, 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 the coldest houses in Leeds. We have lots of people in Leeds living back-to-back Victorian houses um, and we've got a programme there to uh, help insulate the houses. It means that they use less energy, yeah. which saves them money and it also saves carbon emissions uh, as, as well. But it's just getting that it, it, it's, it's getting that work moving forward, properly funded, so we can do that. While also trying to deal with the, the immediate the immediate crisis. I wonder what your Labour leader of the of Leeds City Council. What have you made of Labour's response? Do you think that the Labour Party needs to be bolder in terms of? It seems to be on the one hand criticising Rishi Sunak for putting up tax, while also wanting more spending, and you know money has to come from somewhere in the end. What what it seems that sometimes it seems that we're in a strange position. The Labour Party is criticising the Conservatives for putting up tax to spend more money on the NHS. I just wonder what you make of Labour's response. We've always been pretty consistent that people earning under £70,000 a year shouldn't pay more tax. People earning above that and big businesses that are making a lot of money out of the cost of living crisis should. I think that's a pretty, I think that's a pretty consistent um, approach. And, you know, I talked to, um, um, I represent a ward that's above average age for, um, um, for Leeds. It's, it's, it's people, a lot of people who are uh, pensioners, they've got occupational pensioners from when they worked in coal mining and manufacturing. There's a, a group of people there who thought they were comfortable with a secure income and the cost of living crisis is really eating into, yeah. uh, really eating into their um, 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 their incomes and I think Rachel's Reeves's response is absolutely right to focus on bringing down energy prices. It, it affects people in work, it affects pensioners, um, and it's absolutely the right thing to hone in on at the moment. And I just want to rethink on, on public sector pay. I mean, clearly, you know, public sector workers, like all workers, are being massively hit by the rise of inflation. What do you think? I, mean, I suppose you've got two hats on, because on the one hand, you know, labour policy on you know, public sector pay rising in line with inflation, but you're also a massive employer here in Leeds, and if public sector pay rose in line with inflation, that's a lot more money you've got to find. What, what would be your take on what should happen to public sector pay, pay rises? It is. Again, we've had 12 years of cuts and we're now facing, like you say, the pressure of pay rises. And also, you know, we have a gas bill and an electricity bill as a council. Yeah, we've course, got yeah. 22 swimming pools in Leeds and things like that to run as well. And, and, and in truth, what we needed from the Chancellor wasn't a statement that made a few minor changes. We actually needed a budget to properly fund public services, to deal with the costs we're facing and to actually try and focus on taking the pressure off some of the um, pressure points that are really coming up. And it was disappointing all we got was a statement. Uh, just like, will you have to start thinking about not heating all of your swimming pool? I mean, how, how close are you to having to take sort of big decisions like that? So different councils are in a different position. Um, our... Um, our team that deal with energy have, 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 been, have, have brought energy through the summer to the autumn, so that gives us a bit of um, 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 that gives us a bit of certainty for that time. But the reality is, um, as a council, we have to run a balanced budget. We can't borrow to fund day-to-day spending, 
and if energy prices continue to rise and we uh, don't see any um, extra income coming in, then some of the decisions around um, um, around what we fund and what we continue running will have to be made. And, and that's and, and that's going to be difficult, and I hope we don't get there. Um, Kayleigh, before I let you go, if people are listening to this and they are in trouble, how can they go about finding help through Citizens Advice? Yeah, great question, and I'm sure there's more and more people in that situation as we speak. Um, pop onto our website. Uh, there's lots of details there uh, that, uh, about things you can do yourself. It will tell you how you can access our phone lines and get to one of your local Citizens Advice, and it will tell you about other organisations that do that support too. So. And is the key that if... if getting in touch sooner rather than later yeah absolutely because if, don't wait until you're into a real crisis if you think you might be able to have a bit of help then do it sooner rather than later well that's it especially if you're building debt as well the sooner you talk to your creditors the sooner we can help you to figure out what your budget is and how much you can afford or not afford as we've seen uh to, to pay towards those debts the better because those creditors know that you're not just ignoring the situation or unwilling to pay those bills so yeah anybody who's in those situations should definitely get advice quickly That's all we've got time for on today's episode of the Red Box Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And you can listen via the Times Radio app. Catch me Monday to Friday, 10 till 1, live on Times Radio. And if you want to come on and play the hugely popular quiz, can you get to number 10? Email me your details, matt.chorley at times.radio. And we'll get you on very soon. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Atabotulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.